Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Pull out your pens, pull out your Crosswalk notes, and let's dive in. I'm going to dive in with a question. Who was the first United States president? Is that the loudest you can do? Who was the first United States president? Thank you. Who was the second United States president? Who was the first vice president of the United States? Ah, now I'm getting you. Uh, No, but he would have made an excellent vice president. And we're going to hear more about that. I love that. If only. All right. Here's my point. We often don't know the second in line as well as we know the first in line. Actually, John Adams was also the first vice president under George Washington for two terms. John Adams only served one term because he was not a, a highly popular president. He actually came under a lot of attack. And today, perhaps, he's uh, better known for his more famous brother, Samuel Adams, uh, who brews beer. <laughs> actually, uh, Samuel Adams was not uh, John Adams' brother, but he, he was really his cousin. They're related, and they were both re- Revolutionary War heroes. And I'm not sure if, if uh, Sam Adams ever really brewed beer, but that's how we know that name nowadays. Here's the intriguing thing. Who's the king we've been taught? Who's the king we just spent 10 weeks talking about? David, right? Do you remember the name of the guy who was king before David? Saul. That's pretty good. But if I were to ask you who is better known, who would you answer, David or Saul? And yet David was second king, not first king. And... Do you imagine us ever having a 10-week series about Saul? Probably not, unless we want it to be a very cautionary series. This series about David is here because, as we've heard multiple times, David was a man after God's own heart. And we wanted to peer into God's heart by looking at a man who has a heart like God's. And specifically, what we're going to be talking about today yes, is David's death, and then the passing of the baton to Solomon. But think back over the last 10 weeks and all that we've been through. We've been through David being plucked from from a shepherd's field, the runt of the litter of Jesse, and anointed to be king years before he becomes king by the prophet Samuel. We've, We've heard about how as a teenage boy, David took on the the arch enemy, the Philistines, and their champion Goliath, and defeated him by selecting five smooth stones. And it only it only took one to to uh, to slay Goliath, this huge enemy that all the other Israelite men and soldiers were afraid to step out against. David defeated him, and then and then we heard about this huge string of success and how David was like King Midas; everything he touched turned to gold. And yet somehow he maintained throughout that huge string of success, he maintained a sense of humility and grace through all of that. 
we heard about his being chased up and down by a jealous King Saul. We heard about his friendship with with Jonathan and, and how all of us need to have someone that we can lean on in this life. And yes, we have Jesus. He's our number one friend. But, but we also need a best friend who can help us. And David had Jonathan, who, who was the King Saul's son, who actually himself could have been as jealous as Saul, but instead turned and, and loved David and, and helped him and protected him with his very life. We heard how eventually Saul died and David did ascend to the throne and how David ruled with with grace and humility, with a heart that looked like God's heart, with great patience and love. We, we heard also just a few weeks ago about David's tremendous fall. That while David was a man after God's own heart, he was like all of us also a man after man's own heart, a human's own heart, a sinner's own heart. He had an affair with one of his most loyal soldiers' wives, a lady named Bathsheba. We heard how he had in this adulterous affair. Bathsheba became pregnant, and in order to cover it up, David, it's, it's just hard even to say it and much less imagine it, David uh, killed Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to, to, uh, to deal with this and then initiated a huge cover-up and did not repent of his sin for over a year. We heard how God sent Nathan the prophet to confront him. And then last week, finally, we touch, touched on shame, the aftermath of sin, the aftermath that all of us have experienced and, and how David shows us how to deal with our shame by going to Jesus for forgiveness, asking him for forgiveness, and and resting assured that Jesus' journey to the cross means that all of us are already forgiven beyond any shadow of a doubt. When we ask for Jesus' forgiveness, we already have it. Isn't that an amazing truth? Through all of that, you heard a lot of ups and downs in there. There was, there's one thing I think that really unites David's entire life. And I, I mentioned it earlier in the announcements. David's entire life, whether he was up, whether he was down, whether he was a, a shepherd boy or a king, whether he was living life successfully or struggling with his shame, it was united by his living his life on purpose. David had a very compelling cause that he pursued every day of his life, beginning as a young boy and ending when he passes the baton to his son Solomon. And that compelling cause guided David throughout his entire life. He, he was so sure of what God's purpose for his life was that, as we're going to see in a moment, a thousand years later, this is the thing that Luke, the doctor, mentions about David, is that David lived his life with purpose, and not his own purpose, but God's purpose. And I want to ask you, are you living your life on purpose? Is there a compelling cause 
that wakes you up every morning, that, that gets you out of bed, excited to live this day, that, that fires you up to do the things that, that you're meant to do by God, that, that God has left you here to do. I, I, just, I just heard someone call it this, a white hot why. Do you have a white hot why? That, that, that just compels you forward in life. That's what we want to talk about because that is what David had and that in its essence is what David bequeaths to Solomon. And we're going to talk about what that is and I'm just going to wrap it up for you because I think there's a deeper question we have to answer. Not what was David's white hot why, but how did David arrive at his white hot why? And how did he keep that white hot why white hot all the time? Why, how did he keep his cause compelling every day? Those are the questions I want to delve into today. But now I'm going to tell you what his cause was. What David was compelled by every day was the kingdom of God. From the time Samuel called him to one day be king until the end of his life, David, his head was entirely always wrapped up into the children of Israel are here to be the incubator for the Messiah. One day the Messiah will come from these people, the Israelites. One day, they didn't know his name would be Jesus Christ yet. One day the savior of the world will not only come from the Israelites, but from David's own family. Think about that. Having God say, the Savior of the entire world, the one that can give eternal life, the one that can forgive all your sins, will come from your descendants, David. And this cause of of keeping the kingdom healthy and expanding and extending the kingdom became the driving force in David's life life. And I want to ask you, how do you get to have a white hot why in your life, a compelling cause that pulls you out of bed every morning and, 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 and moves you forward with excitement and energy into your day? That's what we want to talk about. So let's start with 1 Kings 2.1. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a, a charge to Solomon, his son. Essentially, what this means is he, he gave instructions. When it says a charge, he, he pulled Solomon in and he said, I've got some instructions for you, my son. This is 1 Kings 2.1. And so he told Solomon, he told the next generation, here's what I believe your compelling cause should be, Solomon. It's been mine. I want it to be your white hot why. I want it to, to be the thing that tugs on your heartstrings, the things that, that, that you can't stop thinking about every day. And as I said, this, this, this was so apparent and so obvious to others that fully a thousand years later, people are still commenting on it. This is now in the New Testament book of Acts. Luke is writing about David. And do you notice what Luke says in Acts 13, 30, 36 and 37? Now when David had served, what? God's purpose. In his own generation, he fell asleep, meaning he died. And he was buried with his ancestors, and his body, help me, 
But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay, meaning Jesus. The other one who we can look at, because David was a man after God's own heart, means he was a man after Jesus' own heart. And David lived his life with tremendous purpose. He lived his life on purpose because Jesus lived his life on purpose. And Jesus' purpose was your salvation, mine, your forgiveness, and mine. Your life change. Jesus came to make the biggest difference in your life that anyone can make. That's why he came. To make an eternal difference in your life. And David, living a thousand years before Jesus Christ, already reflected that heart of Jesus in his life. Now I want you to notice something. What happened to the physical in David's life after he died? Take a look at the passage. He was buried with his ancestors and his body. So one of the things that I want to say to you today is maybe the reason you are struggling, if you're struggling, to know your true purpose, God's purpose for you in life, is that you're thinking way too small. Way too small. Most of us are. When we ask ourselves, well, what's God's purpose for me? We start getting down way into the weeds and thinking, does God want me to be a dentist? Does God want me to be a doctor? Does God want me to be a lawyer? Does he want me to be an engineer or an accountant? Does he want me, here's a little bit bigger. Does he want me to be a dad? Does he want me to be a mom? Does he want me to be a husband or a wife? That's a little bigger. But it is still far below what God really means when he says, I have a purpose for you, we have to think much bigger, much, much more expansively on this question. Because God's true purpose for you intertwines with all of those little roles that you think about when you think, what's God's purpose for my life? And it embeds itself in everything you do. It embeds itself in your career. It embeds itself in your home life. It embeds itself in how you live in your neighborhood. It it, it embeds itself in how you're a friend to your friends in life. God's purpose, once you have it, is everywhere and reflected in everything you do and in every role that you have. So don't confuse God's purpose for you with a role that you play. After all, think about it. Most of the roles that you play in life, they're even more temporary than your life. People say that most now go to college, get a college education, and do you know how long the typical stay in the first first career slot is? And they don't just move jobs, they move entire careers. Five years. That person just trained maybe eight years to work five years in that career and then bail on it. Do you see how temporary the things of this life are? And that's why Luke emphasizes David was buried and his body decayed. It's no longer here. But what is here is David's legacy to us is how David lived his life on purpose. And we can still see that today. So write that down. David served God's purpose in his own generation. 
Now, I give you one thing that causes us difficulty in, in finding our true purpose, God's purpose for us, and that is we think too small. The second is, from what I just read and explained, we think too physically. If we want to discover God's true purpose for our life, we have to stop thinking small. We have to stop thinking on the physical side of things and come over to the spiritual side of things. And that's why the health and the extension of God's kingdom, God's spiritual kingdom, was always first and foremost on David's mind. He was thinking expansively. What does God want me to do? Well, I know he wants people to know about forgiveness. He wants people to know about him. He wants people to know about his rule in their lives. And so that was David's life. Was he king? Yes, but that was a role that was not his purpose. But he lived his purpose of extending and expanding the kingdom and trying to promote the health of the kingdom as he served in that role as king. So here's two things I want to ask you. Are you thinking too small when it comes to your purpose in life? And are you thinking too physically? I want to encourage you to think spiritually, and I want to encourage you to think big. And and what that equates to, quite frankly, is you and I, we have the same purpose as David did, which is the kingdom. Our purpose is to extend and expand the kingdom. That's why God has left you here. And it doesn't matter if you're a, you're a dentist or a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or an accountant. It doesn't matter if you're a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, or not a husband. You, this is expansive. You, you can think, as David did, whatever roles I play in life, neighbor, how do I... Think about God's spiritual kingdom, Jesus, the cross, the empty tomb, forgiveness of sins. And how do I find a way to pass that on to the generation that I'm living in the way David did? So notice what what David says to Solomon to show that this was on his mind. He says to Solomon, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. He said, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. So so David says, if you want to be a kingdom thinker, Solomon, I got three things for you. And these three things are the same three things that can help you be a kingdom-minded person and live your life on purpose. Notice what he says. First of all, and you can fill these in in your notes, it's the three bullet points. David passes the baton to Solomon by commanding him to be strong. Trust God's presence, power, and love. Now, it's important that you understand the second part because David is not saying to Solomon, you're a strong guy. If you just work at it hard enough and you're sincere enough, you'll be courageous and strong. You'll be brave. Just pull it out from within yourself. David is not saying that. He's saying you got to attach yourself to God. God is way stronger than you are. You're a toothpick compared to... A two by six. 
glue yourself to God and you won't get broken. Remind yourself every day, in other words, that God is present with you. He's here. That God's power is at work in your life to help change things. And that God loves you. And his love for you is faithful and steady. And and it's not going away, Solomon. It's not going away, Crosswalk. You have God's love. You have God's presence. And you have God's power in your life too. Remember that. And that will help you live your life on purpose. Second, he says, act like a man. And, And by that, he doesn't mean don't act like a woman. Because he's really talking to men and women here. You know what he's really saying? He's saying, don't act like a child. Grow up. Men and women, stop being childish, is what David is saying. Solomon, don't come to the throne. Now, Solomon was actually a very young man at this point, probably still a teenager. So this is important advice, but it's always important advice, no matter what age you are. I ain't that young anymore. And I can sometimes still act like a child. Maybe you can too. So secondly, if you want to live your life on purpose, act like a grown-up, strive constantly for maturity. And then thirdly, he says, observe what the Lord your God requires. Observe God's commands. Adopt godly values, he says to Solomon. That one's obvious, I would think, to uh, to us, that God wants us to mirror his heart and his mind, his hands and his feet in the world. That's that's what we're here to do. And and to keep the Ten Commandments in mind and, and actually live according to them, that they would be in our mind, of course. I can recite the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and so on. But also that they're here. And maybe even more importantly than that, that they're here and they're here. And that we live them out every day. Now, which of these three, be strong, grow up, follow God's commands, which one do you think is the most important? I'm going to give you a hint. Look back at the passage with me. This is a good thing for learning how to interpret scripture, by the way. A little interpretation trick for you. Which of these three is the most important? You can tell two ways. Which one gets expanded upon? Which of the three gets expanded upon? The third one. Notice the colon right after it. Observe what the Lord your God commands. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. That tells you that's the most important one of the three. And furthermore, which, which one gets a promise attached to it? At the very end, it says, do this, meaning observe what the Lord your God requires. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. The author even attaches a promise to it, which is pretty cool. And that shows you that's important, that we walk in obedience to God's commands. So I hope you've got all of those. Here's how we find a way to live a life on purpose. Be strong, trust God's presence, power, and love. 
That's the grace angle of this. We have to trust that we have a gracious God who is there to lift us up and support us every step of the way. Otherwise, courage and strength flees. Second, act like a grown-up. Strive for maturity. Keep learning and growing in God's word. Observe God's commands and adopt godly values. Now, how good was David at passing this along, not just in one speech to his son Solomon, but to his entire community, his entire kingdom? You know, true leadership is when you can share your ideals and your values with the entire community. As a leader here at Crosswalk, I, I want you to share what Jesus says. I, w- I want you to share his, his love, mercy, grace, and peace with me. I, I and Pastor Dan work constantly struggling. Our whole deal here is to share those with you. We want you to share godly values. We want you to, to grow up. We want them to be shared. David wanted the same thing for the kingdom of Israel. Take a look at Psalm 78, 1 to 4. Now, I want you to read this knowing something. These are not the words of David, although David wrote many Psalms. These are the words of one of David's co-workers, a gentleman named Asaph, who was one of David's key worship leaders. He was a, a Jonathan for David. And I want you to notice that Everything that David believed about purpose and and kingdom and forgiveness and grace and God's presence and love, it's all right here. Not written by David, but quite possibly rubbed off from David onto Asaph. So, So listen to what Asaph says. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things. Things from of old, things we've heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. See, we've received a legacy is what Asaph says. And we're talking a lot today about how David is passing on a legacy to Solomon. Well, Asaph says, and this is also true. We have been given a huge gift to know that through us a Messiah is coming. To know about forgiveness and love. To know about these godly values represented by the commandments. It's a gift, it's a legacy that our ancestors have told us. And now we, verse 4, we will not hide them from their descendants. At the end of our life, we will have told them. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord's, his power and the wonders he has done. In other words... Asaph catching on to David's leadership is is saying, we're not living for our resume. We're living for our legacy. And and I want to ask you, and I want you to ask yourself, how much of your life is, is lived out for your resume, for what's coming next, for what's here now? for your career path, or maybe you need a resume for that dating site that you're on. And you're living so that you can put the right picture and the right paragraph up there to describe yourself in a winning way. 
You see, it's so easy to get trapped by that and to get trapped by the physical. That, that life is good when I have a beautiful home. That life is good when I drive a fast car. That life is good when I have the, you know, the, the, the fancy suit. Or, or life is good when I'm moving up the corporate ladder. That's living for your resume. And, and what, what we're here to say is, find God's purpose by ditching living for your resume and starting to live for your legacy. Maybe we could say it this way. I heard it said this way recently. Living for your eulogy. What is going to be said about you on the day of your death? What is going to be said about you a thousand years after your death? The way David was talked about by Luke a thousand years after his death. You see, if you start asking questions like that, now you begin, as you discover the answer of living for the kingdom, to have a whole different life. And that's where the life change happens. Paul, the apostle, Acts 9.20, hated Christians, hated Christians. The moment he became a Christian, he became a, he became a kingdom thinker. Look at Acts 9.20. At once, he, this is the Apostle Paul, what did he do? He began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All of a sudden, here's Paul, no longer living for his resume as a Pharisee, living for his legacy, wanting to pass the name of Jesus Christ along to his generation and the next. So purpose... I'm passionate about leaving a legacy of faith. If you want to find your kingdom purpose, your God-given purpose, it means, first of all, you've been given this legacy of faith from others. Now you are compelled, like Paul, upon finding out that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you, you, you can't stop yourself. It says he at once went out and began to share Jesus. And now as you flip the page, top of page two, there's another part to this too. David's talking to Solomon. He says, now you yourself know what Joab, son of Zeruiah, did to me, what he did to the two commanders of Israel's armies, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. He killed them, shedding their blood in peacetime as if in battle. In other words, he killed innocent men. And with that blood, he stained the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet. Now, you may or may not know this, but ironically, this man he's talking about here, Joab, was David's top general. And you might rightfully ask yourself, as I ask myself reading this, why are you telling Solomon to deal with him? Why? You're king. He was your top general. Why didn't you deal with him? We'll come to that in a moment. But now he says Solomon... Joab killed innocent men. Deal with him according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to the grave in peace. Let there be justice in your kingdom, Solomon. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai of Gilead and let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood by me when I fled from your brother Absalom. Make sure... Solomon, that you rule and reign with wisdom and justice 
And furthermore, Solomon, make sure that you rule with patience and kindness. You know why I think that that David didn't deal with Joab? David, a man after God's own heart, was being extremely, exceptionally patient in love, probably constantly thinking, Joab will turn it around. He'll start to get it. And, And he was patient with him the way God is patient with us when we sin again and again and again and and keeps forgiving us. I think that's what was on David's heart. And now, at the end of his life, he realizes probably, I, I should have done something about this, but it's really too late for me to do something about it. So make sure that justice is seen, Solomon. Talk about character traits that we want to pass on as a legacy. Let's write these down. The second item of purpose is not just to share our faith in Jesus, but also to be passionate about leaving a legacy of values. And what are those? Wisdom and justice and patience and kindness. We want this church to be filled with wisdom and patience. We want this church to be filled with justice and kindness. As a church together, we want these values to be in this community. We, we, we believe that this church can make a difference in this community through the gospel. That as we share Jesus, there will be more wisdom and justice, more patience and kindness here. But also, as all of you go out there into Levine and South Phoenix, there will be more wisdom, justice, patience, and kindness in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood. Because that's our purpose, our God-given white-hot why to share Jesus and to share these godly values. Now, one last thing to discover your purpose and to be on cue with God's kingdom purpose for your life is to realize one day you're going away. David died. His body was buried and decayed. And, And it's not always even just death, right? We said sometimes people start their first career last five years, and and they're gone from that career. They're gone from that workplace. So here's what I want to tell you. You're not going to be living out truly God's purpose for your life unless you understand there's no success without a successor. Let me say it again. There's no success without a successor. If you're a, a leader, if you're kingdom minded, you want to make sure the kingdom stays healthy the kingdom of God, you want to extend and expand God's kingdom, are you right now looking around for someone that you can mentor, that you can share your leadership qualities with, that God has given you, that you can help, help them to to grow up and be mature, help them to be wise and strong? Maybe it's your children. Of course, if you're a dad or mom, you're doing this, it's easy, but Even if you're not a dad or a mom, look around. There are people in this church that need your friendship and your mentoring and your leadership. There are people in this community that need those same things from you. And I want you to think that way. If you're just living your life for yourself, you're missing out big time on God's purpose for your life. There is no success without a successor. 
Notice what it says in 1 Kings 2. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, 7 years in Hebron, and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. Purpose, I know there is no success without a successor. Last point, and I'm going to bring our guest up. What guided David throughout all of this and what made him truly a man after God's own heart is David always had eternity on his mind. Check out this passage, Psalm 16. Now these are David's words. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you, God, you, Lord, will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. God, you make known to me the path of life, eternal life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Do you see how David says, I'm confident even if I die, I'm going to have a life after this life. I'm just going to tell you this because I, I, I know the stories of many of us and I know my own story. And I want you, you might want to write this down. If your nose is constantly to the grindstone, what is it that you can see? What's the only thing you can see? If your nose is to the grindstone, what's the only thing you can see? The grindstone. And too many of us are not thinking eternally the way David was because we're too busy to find time to step back. David wrote poetry, songs, because he taught himself how important it is to take his nose off the grindstone at times, step back and think about Jesus and God and eternity. And I'm telling you, I'm begging you, God praises hard work. Don't get me wrong. God praises hard work. But if your work has become your idol and you can't pry your nose off the grindstone so you can pull back and get a grander vision for your life and think bigger about your purpose and see the kingdom of God and your role in extending that kingdom, you're going to miss out on your purpose. I beg you, pull your nose periodically off the grindstone. Sit back, read your Bible, think about Jesus, write poetry. I don't know. But think about the bigger picture. Here's your last fill-in. Successful succession comes with the eternal perspective. All right, I'm going to invite a friend of mine up here, and he's going to tell us a little bit about passing the baton in another part of the world because Crosswalk is all about life change in this community, and there's my favorite word, and we're about life change in the world around us. Let's pray, and then I'm going to bring Matt up. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this message that helps me understand that you have given us a greater purpose in this life to serve you and to, to, to keep your, your eternal spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, healthy here. And to extend and expand it. Help me to play a role in that and to find my life's purpose in that. I pray this in Jesus' name.
So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Next time you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I want you to ask yourself a question. How many times did Jesus say the kingdom of God is like? And you're going to find he says it many times. And do you know why? Because Jesus was a kingdom thinker, just like David was a kingdom thinker. And if you want to live your life on purpose, stop thinking so small. Start, start, start thinking large and, 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 and massively and spiritually about your role in God's kingdom passing a legacy on to this generation that you have around you now and the next generation to come. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.